0: Okay, I ask the question that you may be thinking, how many times did it take her to hit the basket? And Sean says two times, two times, not bad, yeah, yeah, good for her, second chance, second chance. Isn't it amazing how many chances God gives us? Uh, We are sinners and he gives us chances over and over again. What's wrong with that? If I was God, uh, or John, John Wayne, I'd just go after him. <laughs> you know, uh, but He gives us second, third, fourth, and on and on. He will always love us. Amen. No matter what, He's always going to love us, even though we go the wrong direction. He's still going to love us. Back about 55 years ago, I went to a little church in uh, South Missouri. They pointed me to these two little churches, uh, Stark City and Newtonia, Missouri. Stark City was a town of 68 people. Kathy, twice? Took you twice? Uh, uh, It was a a town of 68 people. The other town, it was a a town of 121 metropolis compared to that. Mile apart. uh, They were two Methodist churches. Uh, They didn't like each other (laughs) very much. Uh, couldn't, Couldn't get them together for communion or anything like that. Uh, because of what happened however many years ago kind of stuff. Have you heard that one before? We are our own worst enemy sometimes in the church, aren't we? Well, that that first Sunday that I happened uh, to go there, I got there very early. and I was only 18 so I was really not too thrilled about being there. uh, Scared as I was to get up and speak in front of folks. But if I wanted to be a preacher like my dad, that was what he was going to have to do. And so, uh, dad and I would practice sermons together and stuff like that. And he had the big church over in Neosho and I had the, these two little churches out in the country. So it was a rather interesting day. I look uh, down the road, I've already met three of the uh, congregation that's there and I tried to talk to them and none of them could uh, verbalize anything. They had, uh, there were uh, special needs folks and so I couldn't even talk to them. And so I went out to the front door and see if anybody else was coming. And I looked down the road and here's Guy Hale, 87 years old with his cane, walking down the street with Leela, his wife, uh, walking behind him. And uh, interesting looking character. He's about uh, five foot nothing. And uh, just an amazing person, an amazing person that I got to to meet that day. Uh, He uh, had been superintendent of schools. He'd been uh, an executive on the railroad. He taught school. Uh, he, he, had, he, had, he had a house that was just about to fall over, but he had, there was run, one room in it that was filled with books, books of theology, and he'd go and talk to the theologians because they didn't get it quite right. Uh, just an amazing ca- kind of character. Um, didn't know any of that stuff when I first saw him. All I knew that I was his pastor, and he came up to the door, and I said, Hi, my name is Mike. Huh? Uh, my, my name is Mike. Your new preacher. What? Talking into my pocket. And That's where his hearing aid was. His hearing aid in his pocket here, and so that's where the I guess it picked up the sound. And so uh, he said, "Don't even try to talk to Leela. She couldn't. She's she's deaf. She couldn't hear. You. She wanted to." That was my first congregation. Yeah, you know, very interesting kind of place. But I learned more there, and uh, I promised the Guy after he gave me this little sheet of paper, he, he says, I want you to share that with as many people as you can uh, over the years as a pastor. He says, uh, are you, are, are you going, going into the ministry? And I said, oh yes, oh absolutely. And he, he said, well, what are you gonna do? And I said, well, I gotta finish college. Uh, I go on and get my graduate degree, go to seminary and I'd like to go ahead and go, go get my doctorate. And he says, well, let me tell you something, son. All those things that you're going to get behind your name, and in front of your name—reverend, doctor, and preacher, and pastor, and all that—and DD and, and fiddle DD—all all those things are sort of like pig's tails. I say, excuse me. Yeah, they're not good for much, but they tickle the hams. You Have to think about that one a little bit. <laughs> so he gave me a, a piece of paper that said, "The pig." And I thought, well, that's sort of rude. And it was a limerick that he had written, and he wrote one uh, once a month so he could share it with the whole community. And this is how the first one went that I got to hear. The bacon that you had for your breakfast today took the life of a pig away. He didn't give a little. He gave us all so that you could have your breakfast, though small. He came not to earth for pleasure nor pelf, but for the sole purpose of giving himself. So maybe in this life you can't do anything big, but are you content to do less than a pig? Now that's a parable, isn't it? A limerick and a parable. And then on Monday morning, he said, be there tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock in front of the general store. And they had a general mercantile there in this little town. Remember those? And in front of the General Mercantile, you always have a couple of gas pumps. One would say regular, the other would say, Ethel. You know, young folks go, Ethel, what's that? Some woman? Well, it was, it was a hot powered woman, yeah. You know, juice up your car. And then there, there would be an old pew out in front and the old guys would sit out there and spit and talk about crops and everything else and the weather. And if a girl happened to walk by, kind of thing. So interesting characters that were always there. And that morning at 10 o'clock, we had five for church the day before. There were 50 people there to hear his limerick and hear the rest of the story. Who does that sound like? Paul Harvey, yeah. Well, he had, I think Guy must have started it, (laughs) the rest of the story. Because he went there and he read the limerick and the way he read it was just incredible. Little Irish guy. And then somebody would ask him the question, maybe a little kid or an older person, because I, I, I went to them all the time that I could. They'd say, tell us more after the limerick. Tell us more. And he says, ah, let me tell you more of the story. You know, animals talk. Maybe you didn't know that, but animals talk. Now, you, now, now what you hear the animals do is maybe a... <coughs> if it's a pig. Or a... <coughs> if it's chicken, is that pretty good? Uh, Or if it's a cow. But they're they're talking, right? They're communicating. They know what they're saying to each other. And uh, in fact, there was a day, it wasn't too far from here, where there was a guy that was walking by that was obviously very hungry and very sad, had his head down, and you could hear his stomach growling even. Sort of like now, 11 o'clock before church gets out. You know, that kind of thing. And so, let's do something for him. These humans don't take care of each other very well. And that's true, isn't it, sometimes? I guess a lot of the times. And so, let's offer offer this human something that we can help him with. And so the chicken clucked and said, I will offer him six of my best eggs. And so, Six, a half dozen of triple grade A eggs. And the cow mooed her approval and said, I will give him, are you ready for this? I will give him a gallon of my best milk. You ready? I could keep going, but I won't. It took a while. You're wrong." And they looked over and there's the pig walking away with his snout to the ground, you know, blowing up dust. And he's unhappy. Wait, Mr. Pig, Mr. Pig, what are you gonna offer? Chicken said, I offered him uh, six of my best eggs. And the cow mooed and said, I offered him a gallon of my best milk. Aren't you gonna offer some pork chops? Some ham? maybe some bacon. He said, well, maybe yours would be an offering, but mine would be a total commitment. You hear the story? And then Guy would go on and tell the rest of the story. Tell us more, Guy, tell us more. And he'd say, well, there's a place in the Bible where Jesus talked about the kingdom and he talked to, uh, like the kingdom was like a, a, a shepherd separating the sheep from the goats the sheep on his right hand he would say blessed are you in the kingdom for i was hungry and you fed me i was thirsty you gave me drink i was sick and in prison you came and visited me i was naked and you clothed me when, when were you, when, when were you ever any of those things when were you ever hungry or thirsty or sick or in prison or naked when you did it to one of the least of these you have done it unto me oh interesting and cursed are you depart from me he would say because when I was hungry you wouldn't give me anything to eat When I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. And and when I was sick and in prison, you didn't come and visit me. And when I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When, when, When were you ever hungry or thirsty or sick or in prison or any of those things? When you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And Guy would say, it's a matter of commitment. It's a matter of commitment. And what it's going to take, like the pig, <laughs> is total commitment. And a pig, and, and, and he even talked about this too, the pig, of course, to the Jew is an unclean animal, right? And God, through Jesus Christ, became an unclean human being to die on a cross, as far as the world was concerned, to die for us in total commitment. Isn't that an amazing kind of thing? And the story that I think sort of goes along with it too is what we're talking about today. I, I love to tell the stories and, and, and so did Guy uh, of Jesus. And, and that's, that's, that's what he was sharing when he shared that story about the pig. Um, but l- let's hear the story about the, the vineyards. Listen to another parable. it's Jesus talking. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and by the way, the, the folks that were listening to this knew what he was talking about. We may not have known what it was talking about when we first read this, but I'm telling you that the scribes and the Pharisees and all the holy people and church folks, we know exactly what he's talking about when he said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner, Kathy said God, who, who, who planted a vineyard he put a wall around it dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place and there's people still do that when the harvest time approached he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit the tenants seized his servants they beat one killed another and stoned a third then he sent another servant other servants to, to them more than the first time and the tenants treated them the same way last of all he sent his son to them they will respect my son he said but when the tenants saw the son they said to each other this is the heir come let us kill him and take his inheritance so they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him out of Jerusalem, outside the walls. Calvary, does that sound familiar? You can read between the lines as Christians now when we read this, therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? What's God gonna do? He will bring those wretches to a rich, wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to the other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Now that's what they would do. <laughs> if we, you or I were God, that's probably what we would do. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone, the builders rejected, has become the cornerstone, capstone. The Lord has done this and is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Isn't that the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Paul talks about in Galatians. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. We're not going to be able to stand before Jesus. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. Crushed by what he has done for us. we see his great love for us when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables they knew he was talking about them they looked for a way to arrest him but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet I hope that you hold that Jesus is more than just a prophet he is a priest, a high priest he is a king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, isn't he Jesus is Lord of all. We have all been given vineyards, all of us have. They are people, our children, relationships, circumstances and events in our lives that God has entrusted uh, entrusted to us. These are not coincidences, they are God incidences. You hear the difference? our care. The vineyards, our work in the vineyards and the fruit produced is what God is calling us to bring. Love, joy, peace, all of that. We certainly need that, don't we? If we come together in those vineyards, and the fruit is produced, we can have a relationship, not with just each other, but through Jesus. And the question is, will we offer and commit ourselves to Jesus Christ? That's the question. To the degree we are not producing kingdom fruits, we have excluded ourselves And we we have the freedom to do that. Isn't that amazing? God gives us freedom. That's the great thing about it, and that's the horrible thing about it, right? Why couldn't God just make us all to love each other and be nice and blah, blah, blah? Well, because that's not free will, is it? And we ask for rejection in our share in the kingdom of God. Jesus confronted the people in in the church of his day, the Pharisees, And he confronts us when we are living neither as the people of God or the body of Christ, nor as the people I think that we truly want to be. In some ways, this parable of the tenants teaches us that we have stepped outside ourselves and in fact, even sidestepped our own life. Jesus was talking the church people of that day as he is talking to us today in this parable and there are three directions that he's really speaking uh, to us in this parable the first direction is the story story teaches us about God where where and how is God involved in all of this he gave us every opportunity second chances didn't he not only once not only three times but we can see that God gives us a choice always. His trust in us. God's patience with us. (laughs) Are some of you, like me, uh, gosh, how in the world does God have patience with us? Aren't we a dingy kind of folk sometimes? But God is patient with us. And God's grace is on us, but his judgment is on us, too, and we need to understand that. That's what this, this story is telling us, this parable. The, the story has plenty to say, too, about us and our human condition. You know what that is? Sin. That's our human condition. Now, we don't like to talk about that very much, and and, and especially from the pulpit, and, you know, who do you think you are telling us that we're sinners? Uh, it's not It's us. It's we. All of us are sinners falling short of the glory of God. Amen? All of us. And there is nothing we can do about it on our own except through what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. And either we choose what he's done for us and on our behalf or we don't. You know the the these tenants decided to just take it on the, the landowners not around we'll just do whatever we want to do is that the way we are today in the world god's not around anyhow so we'll just do what we want to do well, let me tell you god is around amen he is around we have been given privilege how should we been given privilege? We are so blessed, aren't we? In so many ways, especially in this country. And what have we done with that privilege? We've been given freedom. Are we going to throw it away? Answerability. We've been given that. And the deliberateness of human sin, the deliberateness of human sin, you and I, can choose whether to sin or not. And that's a great blessing. Now, now think about it this way. God will love us enough to let us go to hell if that's what we choose to do. Go figure that one. And the only way I can understand that only a little is when we sort of let go of our kids when they grow up. You need to let go, don't you? And that man, is that hard? Well, I I, I don't see uh, us ever doing that. Oh, by the way, Linda, why don't you put your hand up? That That's Linda, my wife, and that's her, their are three sisters right there, Linda, Laura, and Lisa. I forgot to uh, announce that earlier, so glad you guys are here today. Yeah, well, Dave's not anything, but uh, his, uh, Lisa's husband. So there you go. Glad you're here too, Dave. He's a he's a Baptist. Okay. <laughs> I, I won't I won't give you enough time to say anything about that. But we can be rebellious and be disobedient toward the master, and we can be rebellious and disobedient toward the son. But ultimately, there's going to be a come to Jesus, if you will. Amen? For all of us. And lastly, the parable has much to say about Jesus and what he claims as he shares this parable's truth, not only about himself as the Son of God, but uh, Jesus makes it very clear that he's willing to sacrifice himself for the sins of the world. He is going to go. And he is saying... He doesn't have to choose to go die, but that's what he chose. Jesus went willingly and open-eyed to die for us. Isn't that what this season's about? And are we ready, willing, and able to take that journey with him? That's the real question. Jesus' quote, Psalm 18, uh, 22 and 23, about himself being the stone The rock, the foundation upon which all faith is built, that same rock that Jesus was talking about with Peter, on that rock, that stone, that foundation of Peter saying, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is where we can build our faith, our hope, our promise of deliverance from sin and death. Jesus is the cornerstone that holds everything together. So bottom line to all of it, the parable of the wicked tenets in Matthew 21 represents our broken relationship with God. And he attempts to repair it and our rejection of those attempts. In spite of our continual rejection of God and even rejecting his only son, Jesus, God never gives up on them nor does he ever give up on us not on you or me or anybody in this planet he will not give up on us now we can give up on him but he will never give up on us his love for us never ends never diminishes as for all the other things uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says that They will cease, they will pass away. But love never ends. It only begins in Christ. Let us not do less than a pig. And let us commit our hearts, minds, soul and strength. Okay, I'm gonna, 80% of that. I can do 80% of that, maybe 50. That's not what the Bible says, is it? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with what? All, 100% of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And as he loves us and as we love him, we come together and become as one. Sound good? It's possible. God forgive us sinners. And thank you for the love that comes to us in jesus let us pray oh how he loves you and me oh how he loves you and me and thankfully there were people like guy hale back in 1968 that was willing to tell the stories of jesus and there have been people from the day that Jesus came on this earth, that have been telling the story of Jesus, let us never stop. Because I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.